Good morning. How are we? I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, Thank you, Brad and Denise, for the Foundations update. If you're unfamiliar with what Foundations is, in November, we launched a three-year journey, spiritual journey, uh, to take steps towards a permanent facility uh, for the creek. And uh, I'm so grateful that we've had so many families make commitments. Let me just say this. Thank you for not just making a commitment, but you're following through with it. Um, we're a generation that can make all kinds of commitments, but we lack follow through. Um, so thank you for that. The foundations campaign, there's been $170,000 already that's come in uh, since November 11th. And uh, I'm excited about that. You know my heart. If you're visiting, you'll get to know my heart. We don't go until God says go. Uh, I'm like Moses. I'm like, unless your presence is going before us, we're not moving. And so we'll stay there. I don't care what's in the bank. Um, And then also what Brad and Denise talked about was stewardship with your family. Um, As a church, we're a family. Part of our stewardship is we give. And uh, in 2012, we gave away over $40,000 to our community, to missions, uh, just to get the gospel out. Um, really, it takes money. Ministry does. And so we gave away $40,000 uh, in schools, uh, ministries, missions, our community, feeding people, providing Christmas. So thank you for being faithful with your stewardship and your obedience because it's not financial. It is spiritual. Uh, I know that Ryan did a long segment of announcements, the welcome table, but there's a lot going on. This month is what, what really, we, we started planning Easter last August. Um, Easter is very important for us. We, we celebrate the resurrection every day, but we've got so many people in our community that will be here for that one time, that we get one chance maybe to make Jesus clear and love them. And so Easter is going to be a crazy day. If you're core, if you're visiting, let me just talk to the core, our family for a second. If you're core, you know who you are. Um, I'm asking you. Uh, Several things. Come to the 8 o'clock service and serve at the 915. Or if you're not an early bird, serve at the 1030 and attend the 1145. The 915 and 1030 are prime visitor services. We want to serve our community. Easter's not about us, okay? Um, and so I'm also asking you to, to engage, and I'm asking you to park. We are trying to figure out where we're going to park. Uh, we've called XTO to see if we can officially get permission to park in their field uh, and uh, put ramps so we can get cars. Those of you who drive cars, I'm sorry, but, you know, get a truck and you'll be able to park there. But, uh, um, or we'll find a parking lot somewhere and we'll get some shuttle buses. Uh, parking is a big, big issue. Um, also, uh, the church has grown so much. Let me just tell you this. Uh, I'm not going to compromise on safety, uh, so please be using your check-in tags to pick up your kids. Um, I do not want our uh, church to make the news because of an issue. Um, so I know, it's, I know it's a hoop. I know it's frustrating. I know it's cumbersome. But you know what? Safety is sometimes. Um, also on that note, if you are a first responder, police, fire, EMT, uh, uh, security guard, any type of, of security trained individual, we would like to talk with you. After this service, we're going to meet in the teacher's lounge. We're not calling you the office. Uh, to the teacher's lounge, which is right out this door. Take a left down the hallway, first door on the left. We just want to spend about five minutes talking with you. Uh, we are uh, developing a, a really detailed security plan for our church. Um, and because, like I said, you know, we don't want the enemy to try to steal, kill, or destroy anything what God's doing uh, when we gather. So I know that's cumbersome, but, but we're good. 
uh, Acts chapter 4, going through the uh, series Ignite. Um, uh, the, uh, what we've seen so far in Acts is several things. If you don't have a Bible, we actually have some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own a Bible, take that, write your name in it, it's yours. You can find us on Version. We have a live event. Uh, it was up today. Um, you can see the notes and everything. But uh, what we've seen in Acts so far is really, think about it. Go back to the beginning. You have Jesus after the resurrection spending 40 days on earth uh, with his disciples. There was over 500 eyewitnesses that were, had seen the resurrection. Jesus tells his disciples to go back to Jerusalem, wait, pray. You have Jesus ascending, the Holy Spirit descending, the disciples going out and speaking the gospel. So it's, it's, it's always this way. Jesus goes up, Holy Spirit comes down, believers go out, people come in. Does that make sense? And so we're seeing that growth happen in Acts. We're seeing the church grow. We're seeing it uh, added daily. We're seeing people enjoying favor with God and all the people. We're seeing things go well until today. Today starts the opposition to the church. And honestly, we have seen opposition to the gospel from this point, even before. The enemy was strategizing this way before. And so we're going to see the opposition. Where we pick up is uh, Peter and John, uh, they'd preach the gospel. They're going to the temple in the afternoon, and they're walking along. No, no idea what they're talking about, but they see a crippled guy, and he says, can you give me some money? And like we said last week, we, miracles always meet more than a perceived need. And Peter and John, through the power of God, Peter and John didn't heal him. The power of God, the Holy Spirit's power working through Peter and John healed the man. He gets up, he walks, he leaves, he praises God. Everybody sees a miracle. The miracle's not the message. The gospel, Jesus is the message. So Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to preach the gospel. Hey, this miracle you see is because of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was resurrected from the dead. And he's preaching this message. And we, we, we talked about that last week, but we're going to pick up. And he, the message gets interrupted. And I want to read the entire segment. I want to read the entire context. And then we'll come back and and pull some some information out of this. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So the miracle happened. They're in Solomon's colonnade. People are excited. And then they start preaching. They start making Jesus very clear. Miracles aren't going to make us believe. It's the gospel. It's faith. It's grace. And they're preaching this. And now the temple leaders come up and tap them on the shoulder. We need a word with you. They interrupt the message. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. If you want to remember how that connects, they didn't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, so they were sad, you see, Sadducees. Sadducees. No, it's... Very kindergarten, but you'll remember it. I promise you, you will remember that. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. This doesn't account for women. They're estimating somewhere between 15 and 20,000 believers in Jerusalem by this time, and the church has really just taken off. And so they put them in jail, and all this, this is happening. The next day, the rulers 
elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas was high priest there, so, was, uh, so also were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. I mean, they, they send them out, and they, bring, they huddle up. They go, huddle up. What are we going to do with these men? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle. We can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Okay, in this conference, like, these are not smart men. You know, Forrest wasn't a smart man. He knew what love is. These were not smart men, but they had been with Jesus. It's amazing time with Jesus, how that can transform a lot of things in our life. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the power of the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and rulers to uh, gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So what's going on here is you have now the beginning of opposition. Peter and John going to the temple, the power of God comes on them. They raise this crippled man to walk. He's instantly healed. He's not just physically healed, he's emotionally restored, and he's spiritually healed. Remember I told you his theology was healed because there was a belief that if you are crippled from birth that God is cursing you. 
And this man is now in the temple praising. This is the same temple, by the way, that God's glory filled it. This was the holy place. And now opposition against the church comes. Let me, let me, let's understand this foundational truth before we go any further. Opposition is inevitable when we follow Jesus. He never promised to fix us or to save us from any trials. Some of you parents, I'm going to step on some toes for a minute. Some, some of you parents have raised your chi- kids, children, I'm trying to say kids and children, children, chids. I need a power berry. I'm running out of power. Uh, power berries are amazing. Um, never mind. But you've raised your children and protected them from all trials, all pain. You've handled everything for them. And as your kids, maybe you're realizing as your kids are older, your kids have no ability to handle trials or struggles or life on their own. And you've raised completely dependent kids who think that trouble is a sign of a curse. Don't shield your kids that way. Teach your kids in the trial. Let your kids be exposed. To, I'm not saying you just throw them out in the storm. Some of you are like, learn. <laughs> Pray for wisdom and how to do this because our responsibility is to raise our kids to walk in the ways of the Lord. And to follow Jesus means we're going to face opposition. It's not if, it's when. And that opposition will take on different forms. I mean, here you've got the people dealing with growth in the church, favor, miraculous signs. People are being healed. Jesus is being preached. Lives are being changed. And now you've got the Sadducees coming in and opposing Peter and John. Let's talk about why they're opposing Peter and John. The reason they would oppose Peter and John. Remember last week I said the implications of a miracle to the crippled man is he lost his livelihood. He could no longer beg. He lost his job. Okay, the Sadducees understood to humble themselves to the gospel and submit to Jesus meant they lose their livelihood because there's dirty worship going on in the temple. The Sadducees were the religious, one of the religious ruling parties, but they were selling the sacrifices to the people in the temple. Uh, read about how Jesus dealt with junk in the temple. You can go back and find that story. Just look at Jesus gets angry. But why would the Sadducees uh, and, and Peter and John come into opposition? This is this segment of the message that I want to call really, all right? So you've got the Sadducees who are a religious ruling party that don't want to acknowledge Jesus, really. The Sadducees go back to the line of Zadok, the chief priest of David, the greatest king of Israel, who talked about the Messiah all the time and they don't want to recognize the Messiah. Really? All you're going to do is base your entire religious platform off the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and because you can't find in there where it doesn't, it speaks of resurrection, you claim there's no resurrection. Really? You don't want to take into account the prophets of the king's days, Elisha, Elijah, hmm, both raised people from the dead, really. Opposition is going to come. Sometimes it comes from within. These are the religious leaders. 
They weren't giving up their jobs. Just as much as dirty worship was going on, they were hand, it, this was a family business. They're like, I'm going to keep it in the family. Because this is, this is a family line here that met in the, in the Sanhedrin. A couple of them came out of retirement for this one. The Sadducees stood face to face with Jesus, approved his crucifixion, heard the witness accounts of the resurrection, and you still want to deny it? Really? Opposition is going to come. Now, Peter and John, they understood this. Jesus told them. He said, man, (laughs) trouble is coming. Jesus knew that when he said, follow me, he's signing their death certificates. And they were humbled and followed him willingly. And he said, when you're brought before rulers and authorities, I will give you the words to say. Let's look at how God views opposition. Uh, I believe that God can use opposition to the gospel to ignite more growth in the church and character in the believer. And notice I say can. There's some elements that have to happen. Now, God will work. God is sovereign. God is going to work. He would really like to have our obedience and our submission so that our character gets developed. But think about it. The church had been enjoying favor, and they're about 5,000 men, 18, 15 to 20,000 people. It's estimated by the end of the book of Acts in that time period that there were over 250,000 followers of the way. Exponential increase when opposition comes in. Look at the church in China. You've heard me talk about it. When, when the leaders of the church are killed, imprisoned, oppressed, the church is driven underground. What, does ha- what happens? God explodes it. It's like holy fertilizer. You guys have dealt with that. You know, fertilizer makes things grow. The bottom line that we have to understand that God is worthy. And even through opposition, God wants worship. And when he grows the church, he gets more worshipers. And he can develop our character. He develops well-formed, mature character in us through trials. Understand this, the trials don't shape our identity. The trials prove our identity in Christ. We've got to, here's the cycle of trouble. You're either in trouble, getting out of trouble, or getting ready to get back in trouble. (laughs) So we need this time to be in the word. You need to be in the word daily so that God's character is shaping you and molding you. So when the trial comes, when you're following Jesus, opposition comes even when you're doing the right things. Don't think that just because you got an opposition coming, you've done something wrong. Sometimes you've done something right. I mean, Peter said, so wait a second, we're on trial because we healed this crippled guy and God's getting the glory? What's wrong with this? God's getting the glory. But we don't like that. We can't control that. And so he wants to develop character in us. Understand this, God's always working in a larger context than, than we think. We're very momentary. We're very much, this hurts right now. I've been in the delivery room with our kids. Guys, we're all men. I understand that. But we have a low tolerance for pain compared to women. 
I've been in the delivery room, Jack. I did not pray for my wife this prayer. God, please let that pain come on me so I can take that and she can do this. I prayed, thank you, Jesus, for the epidural. Now, God, if you would, release my wife's grip on my hand because it hurts. We're momentary pain. God, fix it now. But we've got to understand, don't make trials and opposition all about you. Because God is, is, he's got Peter and John in the trial so that the gospel can explode after this opposition begins. You're going through stuff. And I know people in our church are going through stuff. But why don't you pray, God, be glorified in and through this trial so that you get more worship from me and you get more worshipers. Because God's not going to waste anything. And then when we're in that trial, the Holy Spirit will empower God's people to be His witnesses. We tend to, you know, if the Holy Spirit didn't empower Peter when he spoke, he probably would have compromised the gospel. Because when we're faced with heavy authority, if we're operating in our own power, our goal is to how do we get out of trouble as quick as we can. Well, it's John. Peter, not full of the Holy Spirit, it's John. John, why don't you take this question? Remember what Jesus said in Acts 1.8? He said, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We only have the power to be witnesses. And he will give us that courage to speak boldly. Now we're told that Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, you will be given the words to speak. That doesn't mean we can be lazy. You go, I don't have to prepare for this trial. That night in prison, they were probably thinking, praying, how do we, what, okay, here's probably what they're going to say. They're going to be upset. Well, why are they going to be upset, Peter? Well, they're sad, you see. They don't, told you, you're not going to forget it. But they start thinking about all their conversations with Jesus. They start thinking about the years, three years following him. They think about the crucifixion. Peter's probably thinking, man, it was the same court that I denied Jesus. And now I'm brought in for speaking his name boldly. We've got to prepare for the trials. You've got to put the scripture on the hard drive for the Holy Spirit to recall it when you're in that opposition. But he will empower us in the face of trials. Let's talk about our response to these trials. Now, God will do his part. The Holy Spirit's going to empower us, but we've got to handle some things and we've got to be accountable to do some things along the way. The first thing that we have to do is submit to the Holy Spirit. The only way Peter was even in the courts or walking to the temple to be able to, under the power of God, heal this cripple and then speak the words of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus was because he submitted himself. He surrendered. He was restored after he denied Jesus. We've got to live submitted, surrendered lives. And understand this. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, not a hijacker. Peter and John weren't walking along the road, going into the temple by the gate called Beautiful, and then the Holy Spirit all of a sudden connects these ropes to them and makes some marionettes and goes, oh, there's a crippled man. 
you know, I, I'm, you know, I don't have money, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Right? No, the Holy Spirit. He's saying, "Hey, since you're surrendered, I'm going to fill you because this is we're going to we're going to preach the gospel." Now, watch this. The Holy Spirit's going to work through our submission and our surrender. He's not going to hijack us and take us over. So we've got to submit and surrender. And then what I love about this, and you hear this said often at the creek, our goal is to love you and make Jesus clear. In verse 8, when Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, he starts speaking to the rulers. He says, rulers and leaders. He starts speaking. He's a term of respect. He's facing opposition, but he's showing respect to his opposition. It's a gentlemanly fight. Too many times in the face of opposition, we want to put a face to our enemy, and then we want to go after that enemy. That's why a lot of, I've, I've read stories and, and seen footage with the soldiers today on our war in terror. The reason it's so difficult is because we can't put a face. In wars past, there was uniforms. You, you, you knew exactly what your enemy would look like, and that's what you went after. Soldiers now are in Iraq and Afghanistan, like our enemy could be standing right beside of us and we don't know it until it's too late. It's a human nature thing that we want to assign a persona to our enemy and fight the persona. No. <laughs> I was speaking French, persona. But we want to fight a face. The problem with that is Scripture says we're fighting rulers and authorities. And beyond that, the battle belongs to the Lord. So we need to respect and show respect in the opposition. But you know what we need to do very quickly is under the power of the Holy Spirit, make Jesus clear. I respect you, men of the, men of the council. However, you ask me what name we did this in, and it's Jesus Christ of Nazareth to whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. He loved them, he respected them, that made Jesus very clear. And we nothing changes with us in the face of trials. And in those trials, we are called to be witnesses. What we have seen and heard. Jesus said, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. Peter and John were brought in. What did they do? They bore witness. They were asking, whose name did you do this? The authority's not coming from you. Whose name was this? Whose name's attached, attached to this miracle? Why are these people praising God? Through, where's, where's all this time from? And when they told Peter, they said, don't, don't speak of this anymore. I love this. Um, verse 18. Then they called them in, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus but Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. I love that. That's a little bit of a jab. You know, Peter was a hothead, you know. So he's like, well, okay, you're the religious leader, so you guys judge for yourselves. Should we speak about God or shut up? Like you say, you decide. You're the religious leaders. He put them in a corner because they, they couldn't deny the miracle. People were praising God for the miracle. And so either way, the Sanhedrin's going to look bad in this in this situation. But then this is what Peter says. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. God doesn't need our help defending the gospel. God doesn't need our help defending his case. 
He needs us to be witnesses. What have you seen? What have you heard? Well, Matt, you give me proof that God exists. You know, I might not be able to give you the proof that you're looking for that God exists, but here's what I can tell you. I was once dead and now I'm alive. That's the power of the Holy Spirit calling a dead man from the grave. This is what my life was. This is what my life is. And it's all because of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom was crucified and God raised from the dead, that has become real in my life, that there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved, and that name has raised me to new life. That's what I've seen. That's what I've heard. Period. That's what God calls us to do in the face of trial, in the, when the weather's calm, no matter what's going on. Be witnesses to what you've seen and heard. And the Holy Spirit will empower that. The Holy Spirit will convict the hearts of the people that are hearing our testimony. That's not our job either. God doesn't need our help convicting people. Most of the opposition that the church faces in our society is because we're jerks to people. Because we like to tell them how bad their sin is and what God really thinks of their sin and go, oh, by the way, but I can tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you, by the time you get to that point of your conversation, you've lost your voice. We're called to be witnesses, seen and heard. Well, you struggle with addiction. You know what? Man, me too. And this is what God did. This is what I saw. This is what he said to me. And what I'm going to pray for you about is maybe for God to open your ears so you can hear what he's whispering to you. I'm going to pray that God opens your eyes so that you can see him before you, that that revelation comes and you understand there's no other name under heaven by which men are saved other than Jesus Christ of Nazareth who was crucified and God raised from the dead. That's the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the life that we have as a result of it. The gospel is good news. And then what happens, the opposition's not over. They get released from the Sanhedrin. The opposition's not over. That bout was over, and then they're right back into it. But they go back and they engage in community. Let me tell you something. Uh, I say this to people when we counsel and go through tough stuff. Unless you choose otherwise, you will not walk through this alone. When we face opposition, our tendency is to pull away. Our tendency is to, be like, is to really take on the theology of the crippled man and think God's cursing us. Because we're facing these trials. And that's not the case. Engage in community. Get with people who can encourage you. Who can love you. Who can say, I've been through trials. I understand. Maybe they can't say a word to you, but all they can do is listen. And say, I don't know how to help you, but I'm here. Tell me what I can do for you. Engage in community. And then pray and worship, even in the trials. It's easy to worship, easy to give God the glory when things are going our way, when we think he's clearing the roadblocks for us. It's hard to worship when life is hard. You know, I'm sure you dads have said this to your kids, and they go, I don't want to. And you say this, I'm going to change your want to. You know what? (laughs) Some of us need to change our want to. Some of us need to say, you know what, it's hard, God. I'm hurting. Life is tough, but I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I love what they prayed too. They didn't say, God, take away the trial. 
I mean, they could have been praying. They could have been whining. God, it's hard. The religious leaders are pushing against us, and they just won't let us talk about you. And I just don't know what to do, God. And we're just probably not going to have enough money to do this. And God, I don't, where are we going to meet? You got 5,000 men now and all these women and children. Where are we, gonna, we don't have anywhere to meet. If we can't go to the temple, then how are we going to be close to you? God, what do we do? No, that's not what they did. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Even in the trial, they said, you know what? Consider their threats. You deal with that. Give us power. We're going to worship you because you're worthy. We're going to lean into your power because we can't do it under our own power. So God, pour it on. Keep doing the signs. If Jesus gets preached, keep healing crippled people. Bring some blind people. Bring some deaf people. I don't know. Ryan said something about dance at Spring Spectacular. Jesus will heal that too, probably, maybe. Only if it makes Jesus clear. Some of y'all shouldn't dance. Work the popcorn stand. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Get back in action. Man, they came in from this trial. They praised God. They said, fill us again, and let's get back out and do it some more. Here we go. Church is not a place for us to say there's a lot of trials. Let's protect ourselves. Let's start praying, you know, and we'll even over-spiritualize and say, well, God, we, we don't want you to take away the trial, but give us strength to sit here and keep those bad people out. I'll tell you something. If we're trying to get bad people out of church, I'll see you later. Get in action. I don't want to. Change your want to. How do I do it? Power of the Holy Spirit. Trials are going to come. This is the beginning of opposition for the church, and you know what? Stood under the opposition for 2,000 years. And you can't stop it. We're going to find out later in Acts hey, if this work is of man, it'll fail. But if this work is of the Lord, we'll only find ourselves fighting against God. I want to read to you what Jesus said. This is the message paraphrase. So before you send me an email, we don't teach out of this, but I like to read it. Um, Don't build your theology off of the message, um, but I like what Jesus says here. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. I ain't praying for trouble. It's going to come. You don't have to go looking for it. It'll find you. But here's what I am going to pray for us. I'm not praying for this place to be shaken. I'm praying for this to be shaken. And I'm praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us so that when we walk out of here, we speak the word of God boldly. We love people like Jesus and we make the gospel clear and we're effective witnesses. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've heard. And we respect the people that we live with.
and around and work with. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the truth of the resurrection. We thank you for Jesus, that there is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. And so, Father, I ask that that you shake us in our core and you fill us with your power. So as we leave here after worshiping you, after spending time in prayer, after hugging each other, encouraging each other, after talking and sharing what's going on in life, I pray that we're shaken. And as we leave here, we speak with boldness. We leave with courage. We're respectful to, to a world that so desperately needs you, that, Lord, we, you will use us to not not raise the cripples, open eyes of the blind, open ears of the deaf, but that we will make the gospel clear to people who need it. So, Father, I ask for that filling, that courage and that encouragement. And, Lord, maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting in this room that, that there's no other name under heaven by which we're saved. And maybe the truth of the gospel has struck the core and, and the truth is, is you heard for the first time that Jesus is God who was crucified for you and was raised, who was resurrected from the grave. And maybe I'm, I'm just praying for you in that moment that God gives you the courage to say, Jesus, the only name under heaven by which I can be saved, I call out to you. And I ask for you to save me. Bring me into a relationship with you so it is your power at work. I'm exhausted trying to live life on my own and I I need you in my life. Father, help us as the sons and daughters of Christ to wrap around new believers to encourage them to teach them to walk with you. And Lord, help us to go out with the mission of giving you more worship and bringing you more worshipers. We love you. We pray this in the only name under heaven by which we're saved, and that is the mighty name of Jesus Christ.